Hey, 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 what do you say? Hey, it's the Swipe It Show right here in beautiful Frisco, Texas. Of course, I'm your host of the Swipe It Show. And, you know, today we're going to be bringing on a wonderful guest and talking to him in a moment. But, of course, you know, I don't want you to forget to like, share, maybe comment, ask a question. And if you like what you see, you know, maybe you want to talk to us or talk to one of our guests please feel free to contact them or us. We are obviously looking to help people. That's what we do at Swipe It. That's what we do, we do, we do, is nothing but helping people. And when you help people, they tell others. When they tell others, well, you can become somewhat successful in business by, you know, like me, I'm kind of new in the credit card processing business, uh, you know, about 23 years, four years. So I'm still new, but, you know, uh, one of the things about, having a business is relationships. And that's what I want to talk about today is relationships. Relationships in business can make you so successful in your life, in your business, in anything that you're trying to accomplish. And I I want to bring up uh, two relationships I have that I love the most. I want to talk about first, I got to talk about my good buddy, Major Andrew White. Look at this right here. This is a book. He is a best-selling author that he co-authored a book with Kenny Thomas, a very, very awesome, great singer who actually was, if you've ever seen that movie, Black Hawk Down, well, he was part of that movie. He was one of the guys that was on the field, running around corners. And let me tell you, this is a war hero, both of them. These, uh... Of course, Major Andrew White is one of my best friends in the world, and he is so awesome, and uh, he deserves everything right there. So if you get a chance, I want you to pick up this book. You see it somewhere, Mission Driven, with uh, Kenny Thomas and retired Andrew, Major Andrew White. Of course, uh, good book there. So plug, plug, plug for some books I want you to check out. And then, of course, you know, we're talking about relationships, right? Andrew being one of the awesome relationships that we have. And I want you to know about another relationship that I've had for many years, actually. And, you know, coming up on June 26th, I'm doing a private screening of a movie. And uh, we can actually, you know what? Well, let's bring that up. You know, maybe you want to go and you want to check it out. If you reach out to me, you can come and see the old Tactical Empathy movie that even Ryan, our producer, was involved with. And, uh, Tactical Empathy, I'm the executive producer of. It happens to be the life story of Chris Voss, who his book called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It, and he has one of the best and most successful masterclasses on Facebook, Facebook, if you've seen those. He'll be right here in Frisco, Texas, answering questions after, I'm sorry, before the movie. And then we'll have some pictures with him later after that. So I really want you to get on the bandwagon first because we are going to be having only 156 seats for that. So I'm telling people now that it's going to be happening on June 26th. So right here, make a note, Ryan, please. June 26th. Meet mid we let me start over. June 26th, meet 
Chris Voss at a private movie premiere of Tactical Empathy. Yes, yes. So if you want to be there, uh, get a hold of me. These are relationships, right? If you have a relationship with somebody, you can maybe get involved with stuff and see things that you maybe never would have been invited to, right? So here I am inviting you to come out and see a very cool movie that I have seen a few times. We've already premiered it in Vegas, and we premiered it in uh, California at the Beverly Hills Hilton. And, of course, Ryan was there working on the red carpet and having a whole bunch of fun. But uh, we are very excited about that. So I'm meeting with friends and people. And one of those relationships I have, I have a Post-it note here to go see this guy. And, uh, you know, I went over to go see him yesterday. Same story. And he helped me get a Sprinter van and a new car a couple of I say a couple years ago, I think it may be hmm, three, might have been six, eight years ago, nine years ago, probably. Oh, I can't believe it's that long ago. But, you know, we've kept in contact. I've seen him grow and where he's at. And guess what? He's going to be opening up a brand new dealership up in Oklahoma. And he's got great plans. And he goes, I was going to call you. I'm like, well, I was coming to see you. So, uh, I came in to invite him to come to the movie because I thought it would help him in negotiating and maybe his team that he's working with right here in the DFW area might be able to be helpful with. But it actually turned out that he was going to contact me for credit card processing needs. And this is where relationships come into play. I could have hammered him at his place of business and where he worked. But of course, I, I don't have to do that. I just have doing the right thing, taking care of customers and doing what's best by people, not having to go, hey, you got to work with us. You got to work with us. No, our customers, they tell others for us. We tell, you know, people about what we do. And, you know, if they feel the need that they want to talk to us, you can get a hold of us. We will help you be successful in your business because we're going to have people like our next person coming up on the Swipe It Show. It's, of course, a good friend of mine. I've known this individual for many years. One reason I know him is because his wife and my wife, well, they went to school together from like kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And uh, my wife was in his wedding and my, or his wife was in mine and my wife was in his. And the weekend that they got married, I asked my wife to marry me. So I have to ask Paul what year that was. So of course, let's bring Paul Boyd into the world of uh, the Swipe It Show. And welcome to the show. Uh, Paul is the CEO of Force Scaling, longtime friend, of course. So, uh, you know, we're going to get into this, Paul. And I All got right. a question because, like, I'm, I even asked Sarah, I go, hey, Sarah, when did Paul and Tracy get married? And she goes, I don't remember the, the year, but that's the time that you asked me to marry you. And I go, yeah, I know, but what year was it? So, Paul. <laughs> October of 1995, here. Kevin. You're, you're 1995? That's right. Wow. So, okay. So 1995, I asked my wife to marry me and you got married. That's right. Yeah. So welcome to the Swipe It Show. Of course, Paul, if well, anybody you has a today, for him while we're doing stuff, you know, pop in. I might see it over here, of course. But, you know, I've known Paul for how long, Paul? It's got to be over, is it 30 years. For 20 years. Yeah. 25 years. over 25 years you, you know uh and i have uh i have to thank you because you have 
you know, you've helped me in my business and mm -hmm. I refer you to my clients for a reason. And you've referred me to clients. I process your credit cards. We, you know, listen, business is about relationships. And when you can figure that out, you will find that the things that for scaling, what they do is they help people find ways to do their business by hiring and doing things with people that are more successful than they are in what they do. And then you have a team of really unbelievable people within your organization, and then you can run a smooth organization. But I don't want to go too far into what you do, but uh, let's bring Paul into the picture. Paul, what the heck do you do now? Because I love you, of course, and our guests want to know what the heck you do because I'm going to stop talking now because I'm I'm so All excited right. to have you here. So tell tell everybody what Paul Boyd does. Oh, thank you, Kevin. I always love your what the heck. <laughs> yeah, the, the what gonna, the heck show. Yeah, we don't do that I'm one anymore. Come to what we do after I talk a little bit about how and why we do it. So yes, so why we believe businesses only push past their plateaus when leaders live in their unique purpose and strengths is they really have to trust others to do what they can. So we, you know, my team, we, we really see solutions that maybe other people don't. And that's really important to us is we wanna help, especially entrepreneurs push past those plateaus. You know, how we do that really is our experienced team will kind of be able to see that path and we'll start to walk alongside the CEO along with their executive team, kind of building trust through not only the expertise, but just that we're with them every single week in their, in their meetings, what they're doing, and we're coaching them along. So ultimately what Force Scaling does is we provide the talent, training and tools that help organizations ascend to new heights when you know, they need to grow their business or maybe they're, they're flat and they wanna get unstuck, maybe run a little bit more profitably or just have better quality of life. Yeah, and, and you do that by hiring the right people, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know how many times you've told me you got to get an executive assistant that can, you know, take over some of the, the little things so that you can go out and take care of the clients in different ways and give that, you know, unique swipe it feeling to customers. And of course, I, I, I kind of fought it, you know, and, uh, you know, Sarah's like, you got to get somebody to help you. And so, you know, of course, I, I finally gave in and, and I gave up the schedule and, I said, you know, you got to talk to Brenda and, you know, I mean, I used to have everything in my head. Right. And, right. and that's not good. So I'm, I'm grateful for all what you have done to help me be, you know, better at what I do. And, and I have, and I actually mentioned this to somebody just the other day. And it, it made me think back to when you were across the street at this one company, I guess it, it's got to be, uh, I'm going to guess maybe 12, 15 years ago. I don't remember when it was, but I remember being in your office. You uh, had this black, this whiteboard and we, we went up there and we scribbled some stuff on there and we looked over some different things. And you told me that I had 18% year over year growth in business. And right. I had no idea what that really meant. And you gave me specifics of how I can, you know, it, I mean, obviously not everybody has that even through COVID I had growth. So it's, you know, I owe you a lot of, uh, appreciative, thank you, gratitude for helping me in many different ways in, in business. And, you know, I, I think that 
people, if they go to your website, I want to bring it up right now. I want people to know what it is. It's Force Scaling, F-O-R-C-E-S-C-A-L-I-N-G.com. And when you go there, I found that there's something there that I really love. And people don't realize that Force, and I got it over here, stands for a few things. Would you like to go over what Force is? Because it's probably the mantra of the company, right? Absolutely, Kevin. I appreciate that. You know, for scaling, really wanted to help our clients by creating a roadmap, right? It, it doesn't mean it's set in stone because every path to progress is unique. Sure. Like we were talking about with the 18%, you know, year over year growth, like how do we lean into that or build upon that? So we, we like to always start kind of like Stephen Covey, right? Start with the end in mind. So the future focus is pretty critical step. Uh, we like to just get it to a, a one to two page business plan so that everybody knows where we're heading together. And then with a crystal clear vision on where we're going, which will include, you know, really an, an impact goal. So we actually measure our vision or our why, and then we'll have really clear one and three year plans. And then we'll actually make sure that we have the right organization structure, right? The right organizational structure to achieve that one and three year plan. So we might not have it today, but what are those big moves we're going to make together as a team to put the right people in the right seats, as you joked earlier, Kevin? And then how are we going to measure what success looks like for each of those roles? So not only are we going to have role clarity, but we're going to have great scorecards, you know, not a PL, not a profit and loss statement ramrodded into weekly goals, but actual scorecards to say, like, what are those important actions that we're taking every week to hit that 18% year over year growth? And then that kind of starts to foster the culture. So in that two-page business plan, the future focus, we have our guiding principles, a really clear vision so everybody knows why we get out of bed every morning. They're not going to get out of bed to make you and me more money. But if we're impacting lives or we're actually you know, transforming companies back to relationships, right? We don't want everything to be transactional. We want everything to be transformational. Um, that will be a culture that's lived out. We don't want to just create a bunch of new values and throw them on the wall and nobody can say what they are. And, and then ultimately that leads to execution, right? We want to execute with excellence. Like we want to make the most of whatever we have. We, if we don't have 250 grand to buy new software, we don't need to do the new software. We'll work around Excel or whatever we need to do, but let's make the best with what we've got to get where we want to go together. So that's what force stands for. It's the five elements to lighten the lift, hence force scaling. So we believe those five elements working well together will really change the lives of an executive team, especially for the CEO and the people that are leading that charge. And, and you know, some people don't realize, you know, you, you have to dive deep into what's been going on in your business to make it. Sometimes you have to look at the past to be able to look to the future. And sure. a lot of people just look at the future. Oh, I'm, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to buy this or I'm going to get this specialized equipment. Well, you have to actually look at your past and, and how those, you know, KPIs are working to be able to make the right decisions. But you also need outside forces of people to see an inside look of what you're doing to make the correct decisions of what you're going to do in your business. And one of those things that you folks are doing is, is you have like two-day boot camps. You have 10-day 10, 10 um, executive management training stuff. And, you know, not everybody needs all of that. They might just need, you know, a, a fresher upper, you know, and that would get them on the right course. But those are people that have actually looked in the past already. But I think that once you get somebody like for scaling to come in and look at your company 
and really dig deep into everything, you're probably going to be hiring people like this for longer than just two days, 10 days, because those, those sometimes can just be a Band-Aid. And then you're, you're actually, and I've, I've actually been through some of your stuff because you, you kind of hold people accountable. And I was just like, listen, I can't do this anymore. Okay. I, I guess it, I mean, what worked, what, what you taught me, I've implemented and it's really those little tweaks, you know, it's like, it's like a gas stove, right? So you turn on the gas and it, if it's the gas is too low, you may never be able to get that water to boil. But if you just get it just right, you get that water boiling the way you want it, bam, you can make food, right? You can eat and survive. And I mean, I don't know. I, that was probably the strangest analogy I've ever made for something, but it just came. Well, it was to a me. great analogy, you know, and I'll just take it one step further, Kevin. You yeah. Know, we, we often don't realize that the really simple things may or may not be easy, right? Yeah. So, you know, our grandmas used to take a little wooden spoon and they'd set it across that boiling pot so it doesn't boil over. And like our kids and, and maybe even a lot of our, our peers, our friends, right? They don't know that. So they just let the water boil all over and they're making a mess on the stove. But if you just take that simple little wooden spoon and you set it on top of the pot, man, you're golden, right? And so that's kind of what we do for a lot of our clients is we, we kind of help them see the simple things. And then we walk alongside them every week running their executive leadership meetings and coaching their executives one-on-one -on -one so that they can step up so that they, you know, can actually deliver and execute with excellence. And so it can be a lot of fun. So accountability doesn't have to be bad, right? It can, we can still have fun. Exactly. If what, it's fun, you it's know, not work. What, what type of companies do you typically work with? I mean, in terms of size, do you, do you want the Chevy, do you want the GM, you know, uh, companies, or do you want like, smaller merchant type organizations what yeah. where do you want to go i mean can the yeah, local so florist sure. shop help you or, or help them talk to me about that that's a great question you know our ideal client is probably an entrepreneurial organization that is doing more than 10 million in revenue you know they have maybe maybe it's it's a million in ebitda but right they have they have the earnings to invest in the future and they're going to have more than 25 employees it's you know, if they're if they're smaller than that, they're probably not really going to need our help. They they might really take advantage of just the two day you know executive leadership boot camp or a ten week customized training program. They're not going to want to hire a, a part time or fractional COO to step in and really help them see what great looks like and decide whether they want a full time person. Exactly. And that's usually what we'll do. Is the industry doesn't really matter. You know, uh, one of our team members always jokes, 70% of business is the same in any business. Um, there's probably some truth to that, right? I mean, you know, Absolutely. the reports are important, the people are important, but the force framework is pretty basic applied to many industries, whether that be oil and gas, insurance, or even financial services, right? So our clients run the gamut in terms of industries, but really it's that size, right? We've, we've definitely had the significantly larger clients with hundreds of employees and north of 120 million in revenue, but that's not our typical sweet spot. And we've had one or two clients that maybe have 2 million in revenue for the year, but you know, usually it's going to be north of 10 million. So that's about the size. That's a, that's a good uh, number there. I, I will tell you that uh, most business owners that may be listening or watching, even, you know, the larger companies, 
but anybody that's actually seeing this is going, well, I don't know if I need that. I don't, I don't know. I, I could figure this out on my own. And I've been there and I've thought of that. I've watched, but what people fail to realize is they have to continually learn new processes. They need to continuously learn new things that are actually justifiable for this day and age. You know, if you're not on social media, I mean, what, as much as I hate social media, I love social media. So, I mean, if you're, if you're not actually on social media, that's a big problem. You know, maybe you haven't updated your website in a short, you know, specific point of time. Right. But this is where you folks are going to come in and look at that and give a unique perspective. And, you know, does something like this cost money? Well, everything costs money, but what does it cost you not to do that? Right. What does it cost you not to be paying attention to all those little details? So that's going to lead me into what is it that you're reading today? Because I know, man, you are a big reader. You love to read. What's the book you're reading right now? If I was to see it on your desk, what is it? It's called Slight Edge. What is it? Slight Edge. Flight? And it's like a like, like S-L-I-G-H-T, slight. Like just a little bit. Slight. Oh, Slight. Slight edge. The yeah, it was a gift edge. From, I like that. Yeah, it was a gift from one of our clients. I, I, I'm only a few pages in. It's at home. I can't remember the author off the top of my head. Well, let's and then find out. I'm I'm also about halfway through another book that I I started, and uh, I've just been trying to keep up with all my client reading, right? And it's called Nobody Cares Until You Do. That's uh, written co-written or co-authored by a friend of mine, Robert Hunt. So those are the two books I'm currently reading. So slight edge, turning simple disciplines into massive something. That's right. It doesn't, uh, let me, let me just click on it on Amazon just to check it out. Right. The secret to successful life. No, that's not it. No, turning simple disciplines into massive success and happiness. Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah. So that's a, uh, looks like a pretty interesting book. In a way of thinking, a way of processing information that enables you to make the daily choices that will lead you to the success and happiness you desire. Hmm, very interesting. And uh, Jeff Olson is the author of that book. Uh, right. Well, we're going to have to get it and check it out for sure. And then the one that you have uh, your friend that co-authored, what was the name of that one? Nobody Cares Until You Do. Yeah, Nobody Cares Until You Do. And, you know, that's interesting because um, – you know, a lot of people just don't care about what you're doing, right? But yeah. until <laughs> until they until you do, it's all yeah, about self accountability, oh. right? And it's kind of comical, but it yeah, is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So you true. know, you 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 just mentioned a word accountable, and I I am literally so yesterday I was talking to somebody and I was saying you got to start holding people accountable, and you know one of the and I you know listen I have. We're in every state in the country except Alaska. We are trying to hold, you know, people hold us accountable. I try to hold employees accountable. I, 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 I've talked to people and I go, listen, I'm, I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm, I tell them straight out, I am going to hold you accountable. And the reason I'm trying to help hold you accountable is because if you're not paying attention to what you're supposed to be doing for me, how are you going to be doing it for others? So um, I was talking about this yesterday, holding people accountable. And I said, you know what? I think you need to talk to my friend Paul because I think he would know how to help you, teach you how to hold you and your employees accountable. 
And I think that will give a better work environment. How do you express to your clients about accountability? Yeah, you know, that's actually a great point. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, we, we gravitate to say we're, we love leading, but we hate managing. And we, we have to be really good at both. So we coach the executives that we work with to make sure that they're always setting the right expectations, right? And setting right expectations are really important. And usually we're really comfortable with the number side of it. So the, the quantitative aspects, but when it comes to the quality, we feel like that's a little squishy or we feel uncomfortable, but that's just so important and powerful. So if we set the right expectations, it's really important that those expectations are kind of mutually agreed on and a lot of times we we don't do that as, as leaders right we we kind of volunteer people what to do and if you're voluntold you're usually not happy you didn't have any input so you don't have much buy-in so if we set the right expectations step one step two is really like recognize the wins you know the one minute manager if they're approximately right let's let's make sure we recognize them because the positive is so much better than the negative and so if we are really celebrating our wins and if we're starting to fail, let's redirect them so they can fail forward. Because if we're doing anything really well, right, we're, we're not going to be perfect all the time. We're going to make exactly. mistakes, but let's make, let's make, you know, those changes, let's course correct and let's get back on track. So that's the second step. Yeah. And then ultimately, you know, let's measure what we do. If we expect something, let's make sure we're yeah. inspecting it. And then, you know, we can use those weekly scorecards to say, okay, do we need to fix a process? We just need to hold a person accountable. Like, you know, let's, let's really dial that in. Let's, let's use the data to fix it versus feelings. So yep, those are the three steps we coach people to, to accountability. And then the last thing I'll say on that is ultimately the formula for success is not the knowing part. So a lot of our clients know what to do. They've read the books, they get it, they can recite it, but they, they can't transfer it. Right. So can you, can you train it? How do you help your team apply it? So knowing plus the acting, right? So knowing plus acting equals the transformation. So transformation can't begin until you start to apply the knowledge you've got. So that's the formula for success. And and, and uh, you you actually have it right here too. It's the uh, you know you focus the future focus, right? You you know put everything together and your goals and where you want to be, and then you've got your organizational structure, the way to get things and to you know create the way the the guide you know everybody could go back to it you know if you look at a city like the city of frisco they have a uh, a plan of attack and they try to follow it and but then there are comes times as things change and evolve you got to go back and look at it right you have to be able to know how to do that and that's where when you work with companies like yourself they can say hey listen it's been five years we need to maybe readjust things because you know what you used to be making this product but man this product sold bigger than the others we've got to figure out a better way to get that one going you know and then of course that's where the results come into play and then you've got your culture how you know as you're growing you know how how are things working with your organization you know as the human resources aspect come into play of making sure that people are comfortable within the organization and then the last, of course, is execution, right? So executing things in a way that gives your your company the lookability. Like at the end of the day, how do people perceive your company? Do they see you as, oh my gosh, don't use that company? Or are they going, man, that company's the shit. That That's the company I want to be working with. Or that's the company I want to be working with. Or that's the company that 
they get things done. And, and if you can get your company to be looking in those ways, everybody will just come to you for, for what you've become as an expert in potentially your field and or your business. And, and that's what I've been striving for, even in the world of Swipe It. I learned from Jeff Crilly many years ago that you, and literally it was 20, 22, well, it was 22, 23 years ago. He was going around, he was working on Fox and he, he had this, you would show up in these networking meetings. He had a book about free this or free advertising or whatever it was. I think I, I read a few things in there, but when you do read, if you could pick up one thing from those books or two things or three things, I picked up one and it said, become the expert in your field. And I have told him this and he may have forgotten, but I'm like, dude, you, you taught me how to become the expert in the field. And that's what I've done. And yeah. that's what Privis, I'm sorry, Privis is somebody you introduced me to. And, yeah. you know, you were what, and this leads me to this. Absolutely. You, you taught me what becoming an integrator is. And when you were working with Privis and Privis, you integrated, tell people what an integrator is and, and, sure. and how that is something that you can help businesses with. Cause you've been integrating and being an integrator since 2000, probably 12. Is yeah. That you're dead on. Yeah. So, you know, I, I will say that I've, I've pretty much been in operations now for almost 30 years. Right. And I've always yeah. been in that number two seat. Um, when we were talking about that company I used to be at, that was my wall talker in Frisco, Texas, EFA processing, right? We were a business process. Uh, I was president and COO and, you know, I was pretty much the, the top executive in that organization. We had, you know, 225 people there and 150 near shore. And we were whiteboarding some of those basic principles. Well, you fast forward, that was probably circa 2008 or 10. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was originally 20, in Addison. That's right. Yeah. I read the book traction uh, around 2012 and I was like, Hey, I'm really one of these integrator guys. I, I, I love helping somebody with a really big vision, make it happen. Like, I, That's me. Know, big vision. Yeah, absolutely. 50,000 foot view and wonder why nobody gets it. And then, you know, somebody like us will walk in and we become a translator. Say, Hey, here's a 30,000 foot view. Now the team can start asking questions they get right. And uh, I think the two have to work really well together. And so um, super blessed to be in a book about that visionary integrator relationship, right? The visionary is usually the CEO, really big picture, can see three, five, 10 years out. Uh, the integrator is usually much better at seeing that one to three year plan. You know, what are the pieces and parts? Like, here's all the pieces of the puzzle. How do we arrange them, right? Don't We don't want to throw the pieces of the puzzle in the box. We don't want to take different pieces of the puzzle and give them to people when they're the wrong puzzle pieces. <laughs> so, you know, we just start to work and help them kind of make it simple. So there's a book, Rocket Fuel, which I was blessed to have a sentence or two written about me as an integrator. Over here. Yeah, the integrator is that person who kind of plugs in between the CEO and the executive team. And then they can actually help the executive team, you know, really lead that organization to execute and make those dreams reality. And so uh, you know, I, I think that um, in the traction library, they always call it an integrator. Uh, there's, you know, Vern Harness, he's, he's been around for, for decades and he always calls it a leader versus a manager. And, 
you know, Simon Sinek would start with why says there's the why people and how people, but ultimately it's just, we need to live in each other's strengths, right? So that right number two or chief operating officer, or we'll con call it either chief execution officer, CXO, right? Those people really come in and help the team flourish, right? We're, we're never going to slow the organization down enough for a big visionary like yourself at the same time. All right, I should say move it fast enough for a visionary like yourself, and we're not going to slow it down enough for the rest of the company. But we live in that tension of saying, hey, this is what great looks like. We're going to get there together, and then we can have a conversation with you to say, hey, they're getting there. They're doing the right things. <laughs> I Very hope that's true. helpful. Yeah, no, that, that listen, people don't realize that there are, you know, there's no real answer to anything there's no guide to life right but there is a guide that can be useful with input from others to help them be successful and if you, if you have an open mind and you create unique relationships that are like i call them core i have a core group of people that i feel i could always talk to and i can go listen you know i'm getting ready to do this what do you think uh i, I have a friend of mine who owns Dallas North Aquarium. And I remember sitting with him, we were having lunch and I, I said, Hey man, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, buying a, a race car, you know, I'm like, you know, what do you, what do you think of that? You know, he, he goes, are you insane? Don't do it. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, uh, could be useful. And it turned out to be a big scam and everything. And I lost some money and whatever, but that's another story. But at the end of the day, I, I didn't listen to him at the time and I should have, you know, cause he knew people in the race car business and, but it turned out maybe if it was actually implemented, then I could have just had maybe had some races and gone to and things, but it was just a total scam. But if I had just listened to him in the beginning, I may not have lost a few bucks and went from there. But anyways, you know, get with the right people to help you get where you want to go. Cause there's yeah. no I in team, right? Absolutely. No I in team. So Paul, I'm I'm just curious, but when when you were, you know, graduating from high school in 1990, what yeah. what the heck were you thinking that you were gonna do? I, I'm I want to go all the way back. All when you graduated back. and you were, you know, you went to college or whatever, but what did you think you were gonna be? Yeah, you know, it was it was kind of last minute. So I went through, you know, middle school and high school really thinking I was just going to probably continue to farm. So I farmed for my uncle since I was nine, I really started working, you know, multiple jobs, you know, in high school and still farming full-time for my uncle. And I, I just enjoyed it, you know, but I met that gal who we talked about earlier, Tracy, uh, in the summer before my senior year. And we were working at the same little place. Where was this now? The Arcanum Dairy Pizza Lane in Arcanum, Ohio. <laughs> and uh, it's not there anymore, but I still remember it. And uh, the owners, Chuck and Kelly, were great people, and we enjoyed there, you know, working there. And we, you know, I was I was 16 when I started. I worked there for about a year before I met Tracy. She came home for the summer to visit her dad, and we met and we began dating. And we did take a year off before Friends made it popular. We were on a break, and we got back together, as you know. But she convinced me to go down the path of getting into business versus, you know, farming or working in a factory, which is more common there in Dark County, Ohio. And I actually changed at the last minute. I went from uh, 
going to take a partial scholarship to play football at a small school to uh, enrolling in DeVry, where I could see that I could get a business operations degree in less than three years and not take any breaks. And I hated school. So I was like, this is going to work for me. I just can't take any breaks. And I didn't. I, I had my bachelor's degree from DeVry in two years and eight months. And uh, the rest was kind of history. I was working for Pizza Hut. That's the way I paid my way through college. My parents made too much money to help. And so I had to find a way to borrow half and pay half as I went. And that was the path I chose. And I really just began to love business and operations. And I was the youngest unit manager of 10,000 units back then. I was still in at my Pizza team. Hut? At Pizza Hut. Yeah. I had no idea that you worked with Pizza Hut. Did you know I worked with Pizza Hut? I do. Yeah. yeah. Ozone Park, Queens. I was the assistant manager. Yeah. I, uh, the, the, there's two of the gentlemen in the executive boot camp, one from Philadelphia, the other from Austin this week, are, are actually lived for years in Columbus. And so when I told them I worked at the Eastland Pizza Hut, which is no longer there, and then I was assistant manager at Bryson Livingston Pizza Hut, which is no longer there, they're, they're giving me the history, you know, oh, that burned down by electric. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of like the small world moments in life. When I was at that Pizza Hut at Eastland Pizza Hut, all the Discover people used to come in. Well, when I was doing the business process outsourcing for debt settlement companies, we couldn't get Discover to settle with us. And then they just let them know, hey, you know, our, our president used to work across the street from you. And I got on the phone and I started talking with one of the executives about Pizza Hut lunch buffet and how I trained people on the Pizza Hut lunch buffet. Next thing you know, we've got a forward flow agreement. We're settling debt at, you know, 40 cents on the dollar. <laughs> wow. All about relationships, you know? It's it's a relationship. And, you know, I, I yeah. as much as, like, I remember, like, when I was younger going, how do those people do all that stuff? And, you know, I figured, uh, you know, I was going to be able to do everything on my own. I'm like, you know, I don't need help from anybody. I'm, you know, they're going to give me bad advice or something, you know, and it took me a long time to come to the realization I needed help and I needed help from outside sources. I needed help from people looking from the outside in to give you, you know, strategic information. And I didn't realize how valuable it was. And then what I was able to master is, creating people that I could refer to other people because they've had a history and they had knowledge and they had expertise. So that's what kind of made us a really valuable organization and it reinforced our relationships with our own clients. So I, I love referring organizations that I can trust and even ones that I personally use. I have a client, uh, we just got back from Chicago doing an install for one of these franchises that we deal with. And uh, it's a Korean rice donut called Mochi Nut. And we processed the credit card for a bunch of those locations around the country. And uh, there were two opening up. So I went up there. We installed them. But I totally forgot when I was installing the one that when I originally was introduced to the fella in Schaumburg, three months ago, I happened to – he was mentioning something about insurance, and I go, oh, you should call my insurance guy. He's a broker, and he, he could take care of you. And he goes, okay, yeah, send him over. So then two days ago in Chicago, he goes, oh, my God, that insurance guy was amazing. And, and I mean, I had to go – I mean, I totally forgot that I did that. It was took me a second, and I go, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's my personal insurance guy. <laughs> so, you right. know – 
you, you just create relationships and you forget sometimes that you've introduced somebody. I'm sure I've introduced you to somebody that I forgot Absolutely. that I introduced them to, but it's just natural now for me to just introduce people to people. And those relationships really work out. And if you're not, if you're in business and you're not actually looking and utilizing relationships for a ton of things, then you need to check up from the neck up because it's truly the best way to do business these days. I mean, I, my whole company is based on referrals. And while Absolutely. I do advertising, while I do these crazy uh, swipe it shows and I do the, you know, TV commercials, it's all for branding. It's all there to help people have the knowledge and, and knowledge, the knowledge that there are experts in their field and not everybody is going to be trying to take advantage of people and, you know, do your homework, right? You know, yeah. if somebody was to want to do their homework for you, of course, well, they, they may not see that you're actually in the insurance business. I think that's where you really honed a lot of your business school, uh, your business knowledge was in insurance. Tell us a little bit about the insurance side of where you were working. Sure. You know, that's a, a great point. I was super blessed. Tracy and I, shortly after we were married, decided to move to Phoenix, Arizona. And that was when I uh, moved away from Ohio, born and raised in Ohio, thought I loved it there until we got to move out to Phoenix and, you know, really struggled with the heat in the beginning, but I found my way into kind of a startup situation, right? The, there was a holding company called Titan Holdings, a property and casualty insurer. And they had this small little entity called Titan Auto Insurance, and they were pioneering direct response centers or DRCs. And so, you know, I was young and I, I had that general manager experience from the Pizza Huts and United Dairy Farmers. And I thought I really wanted to be an HR person. So I just said, hey, I'm going to get an HR job. And so I, I took a role as a human resource supervisor, which was really a glorified payroll clerk. And every few weeks, they would almost double my responsibility. And wow. within a few months, it was probably six or seven months, I, I was actually part of the seven-person leadership team, and I became the person in, start, in charge of the Arizona operations. And, you know, I really learned a ton. Uh, to your point, I was able to apply some of that hospitality retail background yep. into retail insurance. I helped them create a, a concept called Office in a Box, which helped us reduce the lead times from opening the store in, in, you know, about a year, year and a half to open it in 60 to 90 days. And that team ended up selling, you know, after I was there for a few years, um, our operation grew from about 13 million to over 25 million in written premium. Wow. Uh, combined ratio was like 98%, meaning my claims ratio plus our uh, expense ratio combined was 98%. And since insurance makes their money on the float, that was pretty solid because most of the country at Titan Auto was running around 104, 105% combined ratio. So uh, it was really a lot of fun. We were buying companies. They would send those principals, which were 40 to 60 year old people coming to town to learn from this 28 year old. It was uh, it was very humbling for, for me and them. And in many cases, I learned probably more from them than they learned from me, but I showed them how to make the retail operations really successful. That's because and, uh, you're an integrator. Because I was an integrator before it was a thing. And yep. uh, then I actually was super blessed to uh, 
to join that team. That team moved on. That executive team started a, a new company called InstantAuto.com right here in Dallas, Texas. And when I joined there, I was more of like a market manager for the first few months. And I helped them open operations in Arizona and Mexico, Colorado and Dallas. And they asked me to relocate here to become a call center director. So that was my first foray into learning sales and sales management. And you know, I graduated the, the Tom Hopkins sales boot camp along with my executive leaders and really kind of learned the call center business inside and out. So, you know, I was used to taking all the stuff thrown on the wall. We'll, we'll say spaghetti on the wall and making it Is work it and delivering it. Is it sticking? I got to, right. And now I got to actually learn how to sell it and close it. And so that was really, really powerful. So that was my experience in the insurance arena, right? Um, so it was not quite 10 years, but it was in the specialty auto insurance arena. And I've taken a lot of those industry lessons and applied them in other industries. Exactly. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of cases, and the reason I brought up that is because, you know, everything I learned from business owners whether they are successful or failures, I try to give those to the other business owners in their business to make them as successful. I mean, for me, if, if you're our client, we want you to be successful. I don't Absolutely. want people to spend money on stuff that they shouldn't spend money on, but I want to give them tools to make them helpfully make more money because then as they grow, we grow with them and then we get more income, obviously. So we, be call it being selfish by introducing all my relationships to people, but I think yeah. it's very useful and it's a unique way to, to gain access to uh, being successful in your own business. So, you know, that's why I brought that up. And of course, you know, uh, famous is in, in that picture, you know, he was working with auto nation for however long. I don't remember where he is. He still with yeah. auto nation even. Oh, he's uh, he's the chief marketing officer and CTO for blue compass. Yeah, uh, the RV retailer that just sponsored the American Musical, you know, awards here in Frisco, Texas, the Star. Was he week. here? He was not here, but uh, their company's doing amazing. They yeah, uh, yeah, they're opening new locations left and right. So he's been there for a few years, and they've had amazing success. But yeah, you know, Famous and I have worked together, you know, over the years, and we've known each other since we were in our twenties. And to your point, whether he was head of eBay Motors or Yahoo Auto or Auto Nation. You know, he was constantly tapping into those relationships in his network. Yeah. And I think that's powerful because like you, we've grown referral only. And a lot of people are like, well, how are you doing that? So previous consulting, right? DBA for scaling, celebrating three years, June 1st. And it's all been through relationships and just taking care of, you know, each other. Right. So to us, well, clients are family and we got to take care of each other. Exactly. If there was uh, something that you wanted people to know about yourself that maybe I didn't ask, what would that be? Uh, I, I suppose probably just the, you know, my my heart. It's just, you know, I, I really have a, a passion for people and I love to see people be successful. And I, I don't often, you know, think that comes out, you're, you're busy and you're in the moment. But for me, everything truly is transformational. There's nothing that's transactional. And uh, a lot of times, you know, the uh, that positive recognition or thank you, it, it means the world. You know, uh, a lot of us probably, you know, you wouldn't think need that or want that. But yeah, I'd, I'd say that it's my heart. I'm always trying to help people make time. I love that. You know, you just came up with a whole new uh, book 
name be transformational instead of transactional wow look yeah. at that i appreciate that man that's good that's good you know uh anybody that wants to check out mr paul and force scaling they can go to forcescaling.com he's got a linkedin page they got a probably a facebook page they got you know numerous ways to contact them but google force scaling find them check them out if you can't find them and you just thought of oh uh, i saw this on the swipe it show you know contact us we'll put you in yeah. touch with paul and of course uh this is the swipe it show right here on the success network and if you like what you saw please like it if you want to share it and get others to gain some knowledge about relationships or things of that nature please do that as well like comment share of course uh the swipe it go right here on the success network we love you we care about you that's why we do these things and we'll catch you next time on the swipe it show don't forget to do what you want when you want.